All right, Melanated Family. This is Thursday, family. Thank you, everybody who's joining us. Brand new episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. This is the Thursday version, though. So in the new year, we're going to do this show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The Tuesday version will be me by myself. It'll be me with a guest or someone innovative I think can inspire you guys. But Thursdays is reserved for me and my sister, Sonia Williams-Lewis, where we do strictly news stories to wake you up. You know what I mean? We don't like how Black people are treated in this country. And unfortunately, the news always gives us something to talk about religiously, right? So today on the show, the biggest thing we're going to cover is my brother Kenan Anderson, who was killed by the LAPD on January 3rd, and we're going to play a small video. So that's going to be the main uh, story that we talk about today. Also, all my digital listeners, sometimes I neglect you guys, and the numbers on the digital side of thing is going up. All my digital listeners, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, Google Podcasts, all these different places, I respect that you guys take the time to listen. Please leave a comment, yeah. share the video on your social media or whatever you can. But I see that you guys are, are, are listening. And, you know, I'm aware everyone who listens to something doesn't want to participate as much. See, people sometimes get it fucked up and think because people aren't commenting per right. se, they may not be listening. Everybody don't want to say nothing. But on the digital side of things, it does help if you leave comments that can definitely help us if you're watching it on YouTube, like, subscribe, Facebook, do the same thing. So let's get right into it, family. Like I said, this is my Sonia sister, my my sister, Sonia Williams-Lewis. Sonia, how you doing today? I am fabulous. I'm always, like you already know, I'm always excited to be in space with you, doing things that make a difference for us, having conversations that will hopefully spark more conversations and shift the narrative so that we don't become the complacent little tokens that the system wants us to be. Um, going there quietly, shh, you know, don't say nothing about this. Going and being your little peaceful reserve. And, you know, it's, it's that, um, that syndrome sometimes where they say, um, um, uh, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. So mm -hmm. something might be happening to my sister or brother and we've been conditioned not to say nothing. And so I'm always, you know, ecstatic about being in spaces and having conversations like this. Definitely, definitely. So first thing me and my sister are going to talk about, like I said in the intro, on January 3rd, a brother named Kenan Anderson, who is a black man, he's a father, he's an actual history teacher, Right. So yeah. we got to humanize this brother. This brother was a history right. teacher. Coincidentally, he's the cousin of one of the Black Lives Matter founders, to my understanding yes. as well, which is inconsequential. That's just irony, if anything, right. because this is a man who also spent a lot of time involved in that movement, in movement with his cousin. So he was aware of everything that was going on. So on January 3rd, a car accident happened. To my understanding, it was a car accident. I don't know if it was his fault or someone else's fault. But the result of the car accident, he was outside of his car. So what I'm going to do real quick for the family, Sonia, we're going to yeah. play a quick video because we need to be able to identify what we're looking at. Yeah. And you're not going to tell me my eyes is lying. That's what you're not going to do. Right. So we're going to take a quick moment. We're going to look at this video um, because our, you know, RIP to our brother, man, because this was Absolutely. unnecessary. We, time and time again, we keep seeing these unnecessary murders. But if we are quiet and docile, 
that's definitely not going to change anything, right? So I'm going to play this video for real quick. I'm going to mute myself as well. Let's get into it. Get off to the side here. Get on the street. Hey, stop right there. Get up against the wall. Get up against the wall. Get up against the wall. Get up against the wall real quick. Stay down for me. Hey, hey, stay here. Stay here. Sir, I need some water. Can you get some water? Please. Stay here. I'll get you some water here in a second, okay? Please. Just have a seat up against the wall there. Yes, sir. Okay? Have a seat against the wall. Sir. Have a seat against the wall oh, here. Everybody got to see me, sir. Have a seat I don't against want to the be wall in the over here. I want people to see me. Sir. Okay. You can Please. sit right there sir. then. Please. I don't want you in the road. Please. Come here. I don't want you in the road. Come here. Please. Come here. Please. Come here. Please. Please. Come here. Please. Please. Turn over on your stomach right now. Turn over on your stomach right now. Turn over. Please don't do this, sir. Please. Help me, please. Help me, please. No, please help me. Help me, please. 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 Okay, so that's enough of the video. I don't like seeing my brother yeah. get done like that. But yeah. Sonia, when you see that video, because like I said, it's important to note that we all should search for as much context as possible. Me and my family was looking at this video and we seen a shorter version of it yeah. that didn't show me exactly what was going on. So when you see this full video, Sonia, what are some of the things that you think? Well, first off, I, I want to just um, shout out to my girl, my comrade, who I have done so much work in this movement with. Um, Patrice just has been a always, anytime I've needed something, and we in the movement here in Sacramento has needed something, we've been able to call on her um, for assistance. And I know that there's controversy around, you know, the Black Lives Matter organization and all of that kind of stuff. That's political. Don't let the, don't let the naysayers and, and the system distract us on the mission at hand. But when I see, like any other occasion, um, Black bodies being um, the threat of us just living, right? That's what it, it evokes in me. It's like, okay, he's, his hands are up for the most part. What I see as a person who, is, who has trained people and watched and oversight um, and made recommendations to law enforcement in this state, what I saw was that this looked like a, a young man who was having some kind of crisis. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't look one, his, his responses were not 100% coherent. Mm -hmm. um, so for the end result to be death, I just question the validity of like law enforcement and the, and the tactics that they are trained to use Definitely. when dealing with black bodies, because mm -hmm. we've seen time and time again, when white bodies got machetes, when white bodies got ARKs, when white bodies got knives, they end up alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, so that's you, that's what, you know, that's the anger part in me. That's the rage that just from the sole of my feet to the top of my head, I get so frustrated when I see things like this, because it's like, damn, you don't see no threat to his life or anyone else's life. You don't see a weapon 
why can't we de-escalate? Why couldn't you get on your thing thingy and call for backup that's non-threatening, right? Yeah. Um, anytime that we're here in Sacramento and we come up on cases like this, I've been on a cop watch team for like forever. So anytime I see the cops, I get out my car, I get my camera going and I say, we don't want you to kill nobody today. Like, mm-hmm. literally, I have to say, please de-escalate. Please use non-lethal force. Please call in mental health aid if we have that available. Mm-hmm. But don't just go out like, I, I'm I'm flabbergasted. I, I, you know, I feel for Patrice and her family in this moment. I'm sure that um, Keenan and um, just his sheer presence and understanding of the legal system, one, he probably was thinking they know who I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like there's a reality of being in this work and knowing who you are in this work Mm -hmm. that you, they, you know, when the target is on your back, Mm -hmm. like I, that's my biggest fear as an activist here in Sacramento is that they know who my kids are. And as Mm -hmm. they matriculate into becoming adults, I know for sure that a cup, one of my boys in particular was being taunted by an officer and pulled over and pulled over and pulled, given so many tickets. Yeah, you told me that. Officer. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that LAPD knew who he was and his association and the, the disdain and hate that they have for activists like myself and Patrice. It's just, it's unfathomable. It's unjustifiable, but. Definitely. <sighs> yeah. And that, and looking at that brother, he needed help. And we look watching that video, we seen multiple times, Sonia. There was de-escalation moments. There was moments, moments that you could have stopped walking forward. Yes. He's sitting down. Back up. The man is sitting down. That's not an opportunity to jump on him. Maybe no. that's an opportunity to back up. He's saying, I'm trying to get in a space where everybody can see everybody me. Everybody can see you, me. Do we are we not aware as LAPD, NEPD in America? We do not trust your we do not trust you guys if Absolutely. you if you don't know what be going on. So calm down, back up. And, and one of the other things that just struck me is that initially the contact, the officer's voice was calm and he sounded like he was being helpful. The mm-hmm. moment that he was in the middle of the street, he was like, get on the ground. Yeah. That is t- in the mind of a person who's going through whatever. So if there was a, for example, if there was a car accident, whoever's fault, that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. That's still trauma, right? To our bodies, our psyche, our whole energy. Definitely. And so if we're talking about what are we doing in moments to make sure that people are safe, I think that we can have a greater conversation around safety in this country. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we can go into any spaces and because of the color of our skins, somebody who's not as melanated as us, who are melanemic, <laughs> as my sister, girlfriend, Karen Hunter always says on her show, they have a fear because of black skin. And so when those encounters happen, let's talk about safety, because your fear is going to make me be unsafe. Your fear in any moment can get me fired, kicked Mm -hmm. out of a place, arrested, Mm -hmm. or shot and killed. Yep. That's the reality that's so huge. And and we're not looking at a at a large crime being committed here. If someone just was in an accident, let's say it's even my fault. If I'm acting erratic, I'm under the impression that cops being in this job, you've seen people act like this before. You've seen people erratic, you see people that been on drugs or whatever the case. Back up, give the man some space. And when he's fighting you, 
give him a little bit of space because at the end of the day, we're looking at an, uh, uh, another brother who's lost his life in this manner. And me and my yeah. son was talking about it. He made a good point, Sonia. What do you think about in certain situations, cops showing up with it's two people in the cop car. One of them is a cop. One of them is a mental health professional. Absolutely. So we can, we've been fighting for that here yeah. in Sacramento, like for a long time. Like, where are we spending our resources? Mm -hmm. They say, and I'm always gonna use um sheriff's former sheriff Scott Jones as an example, because three years ago he got up at the podium at Sac County Board of Supervisors meeting and said, My officers are not trained to deal with mental health crises. Hmm. And not only did he say that, he doubled down and he said, we don't want to deal with mental health crisis, mm -hmm. but we have a crisis in not just Sacramento, all over this country. Mm -hmm. How are we going to use funds that are county dollars, that are citizens, taxpayer dollars to take care of mental health crisis when people need help and the cops don't want to and are not trained to? Mm -hmm. And, and we so that's a perfect example, a perfect idea that would be a part of the solution. And we continue to see these type of incidents um, happen as we wrap it up. But it seems like we, we understand the relationship, right? We understand that some police officers find themselves in situations that can be unsafe. You may have yeah. dealt with several things in the past that makes you feel unsafe. So you're reacting a particular way. Right. I want to give you that grace. But when I continue to see videos like this. It makes me say, just fuck the police. Absolutely. Maybe we need to find a different way to address crimes because like we've talked about plenty of times, police are not preventing crime in our country. Not at all. That's not what's happening. They're showing up after the fact. This situation, yeah, the ambulance should have showed up. But when it's a hit and run or it's a car accident, yeah, cops come later to kind of process everything that's happened, take reports in, in, in things of this manner. But right. nobody should end up dead from it. And if this family, because let's say they sue them, Sonia, and they get some money from the settlement, I'm I know that can be beneficial to the family, but I'm tired of seeing that. These cops need to be held personally accountable. Can we find a way to sue right. the damn cop personally so we can prevent this from happening in the future? You know what I mean? Absolutely. So when we got the law passed, myself, even Patrice down in LA, other activists with BLM throughout the state and other organizations, we met with um, Shirley Weber and Kevin McCarty, who are um, elected, elected um, um, assembly members here for the state of California. And we crafted what the law should look like. And one of the, I can remember Remember verbatim sitting in Shirley Weber's office, and this was before Kevin walked in the door, and it was mostly um, black folks in the in the room. And I said, one of my friends here, um, Rashid Sadiq, who's a, a you know a locally connected um, political leader here, and he, we were both having a sidebar conversation, and we said, you know, as a teacher, as a teacher, as a doctor, as a dentist, um, what other professions? that have to get extra insurance to do their job hmm. so that if something happens on their job, that insurance pays out for that claim. Hmm. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I, you know, we had to take that sidebar conversation be like, look, Shirley, let me tell you something, sis, we need for officers to really, really, really put the, like, put, put your skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You purchase yourself an insurance that you're doing your job correctly. And if and when something goes awry, that insurance will pay out. 
And mm-hmm. I bet you those insurance companies, if you have the same offenders multiple times after multiple times, have, they'll cancel that insurance. And if you can't keep that insurance, you can't keep a job. You can't that was my solution, right? Because I'm t- I, like you, am tired of taxpayer dollars. This is what a lot of people don't realize. They say, oh, well, yeah, they won all this money. And yes, it's going to help the family. But that's our taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. Those money should be used to prevent situations like this. Definitely, definitely. So RIP um, yes. to the brother Keenan Anderson. Horrific situation, you know, and we always like sometimes we look at situations, Sonia, and I want to remove race from the equation, yeah. but it's I impossible. To. I want to I so want bad, to. but it's impossible. I know different races of people have their issues with cops, but our history is so long yeah. and drawn out. So I'm beginning a lot of situations or what I'm viewing with a level of distrust. It's like any relationship. Like, fuck all that, man. It's like any right. relationship. If you're being abused and you're being lied to all the time, all when the time. something happened, you may assume that's what's happening at that moment. Even if it is a cop who says, man, I'm, yeah. I was really just doing my job and I was tired that day. Right. Well, that uniform you got on says otherwise. You need to go talk Absolutely. to your homeboys. Absolutely. And let me also just say that, you know, Los Angeles is one of a few cities here in California who for the first time in the history of California, we're talking about since the 1800s, 1856, um, elected black women mayors. And so now on the watch of Karen Bass, she has to carry on her shoulders some maltreatment, some disrespect from unprofessionalism from Mm -hmm. officers killing another black body. And I just think that that's so unfair, like out the gate, you get sworn in and this is what you got to deal with. Mm -hmm. Out the gate, top of the year, new year, and this is what we're dealing with. Three days into the new year. And so we have to put those kind of things in perspective because these are the things that make black folks say, put their hands up and be like, I'm done with the whole shits because I can't do nothing to affect the change that we need. And thank God that there there are some of us who are just like, no, we're going to keep on beating down the door. We're going to be beat down the door. But I get it so often when people are like, I'm tired of fighting this fight. I'm tired of generation after generation watching my grandparents, my parents, and now Mm -hmm. me and now my children go through the same thing. Yeah. And then like speaking about the, the black lady who's now the mayor of LA, sometimes black politicians or black elected officials, let's say they are on the right side of things. Like they are for empowering black folks. I spoke with the mayor here of Citrus Heights. Like I, yeah. I make a joke that I didn't know Citrus Heights had a damn mayor, but this is a black lady. Yes. And doing my show yes, has helped me a lot because I spoke with her and she said, look, I know what's going on with us is wrong, but I walk in a room and it's me and seven white men. It's a little more, it's a, it's a little more difficult. I got to yes. convince them. And then yes. I need y'all to come to the town hall meetings. And so I can say, see, I ain't lying. See them, see them, see them. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it's they behind the eight ball too because yeah. they're behind enemy lines to a degree. So I'm yes. I'm I'm beginning to I used to be very, very hard on all black politicians, but now I'm realizing yeah. no, it's some that are trying, it just may look difficult because it is. It is. It you know is. I mean? It truly is. Sitting in the state capital, this is, you know, we are the fourth largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. Sitting in our state capital, writing, going through the process of writing legislation, getting it passed. 
the people who are going to make them to vote on it yep. and then for it to get watered down by all of the opposition um, that is want, doesn't want to see progress happen in our state. Mm -hmm. I understand the wearing of capacity, like really and truly that's that's the trauma, right, that we have to try to survive through that Joy DeGruy always speaks of when she says post-traumatic slave syndrome. Mm -hmm. So anything since slavery, 1865, Black folks, generation after generation after generation, are carrying the epigenetic DNA of one, the past traumas that their ancestors had brought forth to them, mm -hmm. and then compounded with the trauma that we're living in existing today. Mm -hmm. And so we can do something about that by hopefully lowering the incidences of trauma so that we don't carry it on to the next generation because it's in our DNA now. Definitely, definitely. And we're going to, you know, RIP to that brother. We're going to keep yeah. reporting on these type of things. And all we look, everybody has a role to play in this movement participate find a way to participate using your social media and talking about these things are good but continue i think sonia once people begin to read and find it in themselves to care about these type of things it goes from your mind to maybe yeah. your phone then it go to your feet and you're gonna yep. start going outside and helping out and seeing how you, how you can be of service and then that's when the change really happens so yeah to that brother Absolutely. And, and I'm glad that you said, you know, we all have a role to play in this, you know, conundrum, right? Mm -hmm. it, it really is um, something that there's no one stop solution to fixing this thing. Um, one of my comrades in the street used to say, we got to throw the kitchen sink at them. So that means using every tool in the toolbox, everything, mm -hmm. it, Throw it all at them, right? Yep. But but the reality of it is, is we can't also be so super and hypercritical of those folks who are on the inside who are sometimes the spook behind the door or mm -hmm. what we say as the Uncle Tom or the, the person who is like, oh, again, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil because they trying to survive too. And yep. that's the that's the unfortunate reality is that we have to decide, do we get to be liberated or do we get to wake up tomorrow? Mm -hmm. That's that's hard. That's I want to be liberate, liberated. And so every day that I live, I'm trying to be liberated from bondage. Yep. And that could cause me to die. Yep. And I realize that and I'm willing to make that sacrifice because if I die fighting for liberation, maybe my babies and my grandbabies don't have to die mm -hmm. fighting for liberation. And I, but and I, I get it. I get it. The individuals, you know, my husband says all the time, if I don't go to work, if I don't get along to get along, you play that game. Yeah. Right. What we going to do? Because yeah. I can go there being vocal, the angry black man and being like, boom, boom, boom. Nah, mm -hmm. I need to bring a paycheck home to make mm -hmm. sure that my kids are good and make sure that my house got finances. You yep. know, we so talked about I get it. Before, it's yeah. the it's the balancing act. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. So RIP to that brother. Yeah. Now, Sonia in Virginia, Newport News, Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, Rich Neck Elementary School. That's, that's a funny name for a school. Rich Neck Elementary School. Six-year-old student six -year -old. brings a gun to school while the yeah. teacher is, I think, doing a lesson plan, uh, doing the instructions for the day. He takes out a gun and shoots her. Now, I, I want to create a caveat reading about this. In Virginia, weird thing, past six, seven years, it's been like three incidents 
mm-hmm. of children mm-hmm. bringing guns to school in different facets. So, Sonia, when you see a child this young having a loaded weapon available to him, what do you think? Again, you know, we we I, I'm like I said, I'm always excited about being in this space talking about these heavy topics, but it's hard because a six year old who has the capacity and access, right? Mm-hmm. So capacity meaning either if mom or dad, and and we hear that it's mom, um, and that she's a single mom. If mom was responsible and had that gun in a lockbox box, he obviously was watching and paying attention and how to access. So that's that's one piece of it. Yep. The capacity piece of it is we see the videos all the time. I know that I have of what we call those. Um, I'm trying to be nice in my words, but <laughs> those hillbilly white folks who got their babies that come out the womb and they showing them how to shoot guns. Go you ahead. They, they know how to shoot a gun before they say they ABCs. Come on now. Right. Yeah. And so that's the capacity piece. So we know that we can train our babies from a young age to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. It's what we train them to do that either lifts humanity or takes away from humanity. Mm -hmm. And so my question, you know, I spent almost 20 years in the classroom and I, I, you know, from what I understand about this teacher is that she tried to shield or, or grab the gun and she was ultimately shot. She had the capacity and bless her heart young in her 20s um, yep. to get the rest of the class out, get them to safety and to get help for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's scary to think that a six year old was able to pull that off. Right. Yeah. That's the piece that is that. That's oh, And ahead. it seems like. So we have to go directly to the to, to the parenting. Now yes. we don't know what kind of mother this woman was. I, you right. said it was just a mom. I don't know if there was a father in the house. I don't know the dynamics. And we, right. I was going to mention that piece, but we can't be dismissive. White right. culture and gun culture is a little bit more synonymous with things compared to our culture. We're on survival mode. They're right. on. We're we're Defense. in preparation mode. Right. So they're preparing for something. And sometimes they teach their kids this, right? So right. it could have been a mom who said. Son, this is where my gun is. This is how to use it in case somebody comes in here because it's just us. And he could have heard something from the teacher and said, you know what? Tomorrow I'm doing it. But the fact that he knew how to get to the gun. Right. That's the problem because we we want to teach proper usage of weapons. The Second Amendment, you want to have a gun in your house? Fine. But you it, it, this this instrument can kill. Like this right. is a very serious um, thing to be playing with. So the parent has to be, she has to be held accountable because Absolutely. let's say there's weight, there's places you can put a weapon where a small child couldn't fathom finding it. You that can part. show them how to use it and then go put it back to where they never can find it. Right. You see what I'm saying? So we don't know how neglectful she was with the gun, yeah. but a teacher was shot. I'm happy she's not deceased like that. That's yeah. a good thing. She was, she, like you said, she was mindful and strong enough the 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 piece of my, like the state of mind to say I'm hurting something's wrong with me that's how I feel when you get shot like you know something burning but I got to get these kids out of here just yeah. in case he keeps shooting yeah. because he's sick absolutely and the other thing that just strikes me so alarming with this case altogether is the fact that 
other students in that school prior to the actual incident had reported that he was bringing shiny things that later on we've now discovered he was bringing bullets to school. So they know people have known for some time that one, that there are some troubled issues that he's experiencing mm -hmm. and that could have been some preventative care, either from counseling there at the school or mm -hmm. mom or dad or whoever's in his, um, his circle of care, um, uh, could have gotten him some assistance. What I what I hate is that when I read the first story, because you know I went searching, I was like, is this a is this a white kid or is this a black kid? <laughs> and I hate that I have to do that, right? Yes. Because the story was told so nicely. He was a young. <laughs> we know that we were labeled my my babies were labeled super predators. And there was no mincing of words when it came to describing black boys in this country. I posted videos. Long. I posted videos of a seven-year-old black girl getting arrested at school because she was being defiant. Two right. cops was accosting her. It was on video. Now yes. we say we because I want to say six-year-old kid shouldn't be on video. We shouldn't see it. Innocent child bullshit in America. Cool. I've right? seen videos of Worse. small black kids getting arrested bring tears to my eyes yes. so i'm not saying i want to see this young white boy get arrested no. and brought out in hand but america we got to be fair look sonia the, i've read four articles all of them are pretty nice we need to yes. get this boy some help are we gonna we talk to virginia commonwealth are we gonna arrest them ah we just we, we want to know what's going and on that's the thing right <laughs> because we know so i went searching and i was like I, I read one article that said um, mom on her social media had posted some crazy stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to find who is the mama. I'm Googling. Every, I'm switching. You know how you can manipulate the Google search to get what you really want? Yeah. I'm trying to do that thing that I do to make that magic happen to see if somebody pops up. Nothing. So I said, mm -hmm. this could not possibly be a black, brown, or, or indifferent um, family. And so that speaks again to how it's kind of getting swept under the rug, how we're talking about, oh, we want to get this baby care. Yes, he's a baby, but that's, you know, Je Jeffrey Dahmer was a baby at one point too. There we go. So, and then it's funny, like, they, I don't know why they was doing this, Sonia. One article I pulled up, the picture that came up was a black woman. I said, oh, wait, what's going on? Then they go right. on to say, this is a woman who had a student at the school yes. and she'd seen the, the white woman be a hero because she's being dubbed a hero, which being shot, taking your kids out, that's yes. hero shit. But yes. I'm like, why are y'all talking to the black woman and saying, hey, she was a hero. I'm happy she did it. My son, I'm like, damn, why do you, what's she got to do with this? Thank you, sister. But, <laughs> but right. I, I think the one that I, the article I read was there was a sister as well, and she was volunteering at the school. I was like, you see how that's how they get us too, right? They get the black folks to come in and tell the stories. I, what what was the um the meme way back when social media came out? It was a fire, you know, and and yeah, the lady was lady, in her scarf. <laughs> and and Auntie that. blew up for a minute. She had her five minutes of fame, and she was cooking and stuff. Auntie, somebody, I, I yep. she's R.I.P. I believe that she passed. Oh. But that's what they do to us. They want to find somebody to tell the story in a way. But that's also a sign of when it's not us. Right? It was too impact... much humanization going on. It was too yeah. much humanization. I said, yeah. ah, shit. Yeah. It's a little white boy. 
but we don't get to be humanized. We don't get to get that soft, gentle, gentle landing space that other folks get. And that's the unfortunate part about it. And I mean, you and I, I think are very fair in our, um, our conclusion when we say, I mean, I wholeheartedly believe you and I know that you believe me. We don't want to always make it about race, but historically, this is the way that we have had to survive in this country. This is the treatment that we've witnessed people who look like us experience in this country. And like I said, when I went into teaching, I went into teaching because I wanted to make sure that little black girls that reminded me of myself was in spaces, could be brilliant mm. in any situation that they had a cheerleader behind them, giving them tools, right? But at the same time that I felt like I was an advocate for black and brown and, and foster and poor, poor white students can, would be like, Miss Lewis, like, I need you in my life. The statistics say that one, black teachers don't just positively impact black students, but black teachers, hands down, white students across the board say, if I didn't have that teacher, then I know that I wouldn't have graduated and yep. made it on to the next level. So we have to begin to evaluate how, where's the equity, right? And that's what I do on a regular basis is have conversations mm -hmm. about equity. So mm -hmm. don't miss me with, this is a six-year-old who came to school with a gun. There are certain ways that you would treat a black boy who's six years old, who came to school and shot a young white woman who was a teacher it you just be might totally see a different. picture you just might see a picture of this black boy in handcuffs it's not beyond reason in handcuffs his mama and daddy in hand they're gonna find everybody in his lineage they all gonna be in jail his mama and daddy would have been on tv disapproving yes. what he did yes. we didn't approve it we saw it or we hope the teacher okay right all that shit you see what i'm saying yeah. so don't want to make it about race, but in this country, I'm learning. And people around me are learning. People who call me radical come back and say, what'd you say again? What'd you say? Because <laughs> they know. I, look, I'm just protecting myself. I'm just starting to try. Like, right. I love everybody. Regardless of your race, I'm a look, we, we all see color. I'm not going to say that stupid shit. But I'm looking at you as a person. Do the same to me. Six-year-old kid, this is a baby. They said we can't arrest them because... He probably didn't know what he was doing. We got to say, okay, maybe. Like, you want to look at all this like, okay. Damn, right. this shit sound logical when they white. Give my little baby this. Give, give my little kid the same type of leeway. Yeah. You give these other people. Then we'll shut up and, you know, talk about sports or something. <laughs> I, did a, I did a presentation to the California um, Department of Head Starts Conference last year before last. Mm -hmm. And um, I did a talk about um, when do black children become a threat to the school system. Mm. <laughs> and it was, I mean, at the end, you know, I opened it up for questions. It would, they told me afterwards, they said, your session had the most questions that we, we needed to make, we needed to make a whole session for just questions after your session. Um, but the reality of it is the youngest being in the education profession, unfortunately, I've seen some some crazy stuff. The youngest kid that I've ever seen arrested, put in the back of, not handcuffed, but put in the back of a police car was four years old. And mm -hmm. it's heartbreaking, right? Because at four years old, you're, you're barely grasping the concept of right and wrong. Mm 
And so we have to take these kind of things into consideration. I tell parents all the time, you want to pay attention to those K through three years in elementary school, because the moment your child makes it over to the fourth grade, there's a change in standard when it comes to behavior and punishment. So the consequences are a little mm. bit different when you go from third grade to fourth grade. Likewise, very similarly, there's a change in behavior policy and code when it comes to uh, middle school and high school students compared to elementary. So we have to pay attention to those kind of things because I've used the word again and again, black kids are adultified. They're always treated as if you should know better. I know that you have seen some things and experienced some things, so you should know better. As mm -hmm. if black children shouldn't have a childhood like mm -hmm. Bobby and them. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that's the part that's disheartening. I can, I'm, you know, as a 52-year, about to be 52-year-old woman, I can remember exactly when my childhood was taken from me. And I was a child. And from that moment forward, not just the outside world, but the inside world in our homes, we were like, you got to do this extra stuff because these are the birth and circumstances that you have been granted. And yeah. that's, the un that's unfortunate <laughs> that our babies go through this extreme level of adultification at a way more earlier age than their, their white counterparts. Yeah. And I knew you would have that level of insight, Sonia, because being in those classrooms, being a revolutionary minded person has to be a wake up call. Just seeing yeah. how sometimes you trying your best, but the system's failing you. The resources yeah. aren't there. The people around aren't as supportive. I'm sure it's a whole thing to it, but this is, this is incorrect. And in our country, the gun violence, we need to stop fronting. How did we get America? <laughs> Shit, shit's always funny to me. How did we get America? America how did, how did we get whatever we on violence? We we brought the gun to the fight and said, we "Give it to the me." Gun to the fight. Now Americans are saying, "I'm gonna use I'm gonna use the same thing you use to get your land." Yeah. Why can I use it to make my point? Yeah. So we got to recontextualize how we view certain things and, and really absolutely teach the real history. Maybe if we taught the brutal real history, everybody would be so shocked and in awe. Some people would be so empathetic that we would say, okay, this is why I'm stopping. Right. Been, we ain't doing been, this again. We don't want to go down that road. We don't want to go down that road. We've, we, we, we've already taken everything, lied about everything. Absolutely. Damn, enough's enough. <laughs> All right. So last story of the day. Yeah. A family in Manhattan Beach had a property on Bruce Beach several years ago, maybe some months ago. It was a thing where. Uh, uh, the the city of Manhattan Beach commandeered this property years ago. The the family has been owning it since like 98 years ago or something. They finally got it back a few years ago. You know how social media is and us who are um, like revolutionary minded, we see that type of thing. We jump at it, say, yes, get your property back. You deserve it. The court, the court proceedings happen, Sonia. They yeah. got their property back <laughs> and shortly thereafter, they said, you know what? Somebody presented them with an offer and they said, wait, how much? Y'all can go ahead and have it back. So when you hear that, because it's, 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 it's a lot of moving parts to it. But when you hear that, what do you think? Should they have sold it back? I, you know, we are weird kind of people sometimes. And I mean, this country, this world, the way that we've been conditioned has done a thing to us. And, you know, let me let me let me preference this by saying first that 
this world better start thanking black folks. And it's, it's something in the melanin that allows for us to be the most forgiving, the most caring, the most nurturing, the most giving people on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't say that like to brag or boast, right? I'm very proud that I am a black woman and I come from a lineage of people who are just kind to humanity. But damn it, <laughs> mama and daddy Bruce got to be rolling over in their graves knowing that they, however many generations removed from them, sold out for pennies on the dollars. I, I mean... My daddy would be upset. There is, we, I have, my family has had in, in our family, um, seven generations now, up over 200 acres at one point. It's a little bit over 100 acres right now, piece of property in Texas that was wheeled to my great, great, great grandfather because when the white woman became a widow, he was her protector. He was mm-hmm. her. He was her, I don't know what to even call whatever his position was, but he was like the field hand. He made sure everything was good. And my great, great, great grandfather, when she died, this woman, bless her heart, white woman, went to every county records office in the area um, of Hunts County, um, Texas, made sure that his name was put on, on the deed, made sure that it was put in the newspaper got an author friend to write a book about my great, great, great grandfather to make sure that it was documented. This is what a white, and you know, this is rare for, I I can't, you know, I I don't know too many white women who would be like, oh, let me do all this. That's yours. Yes. And so that's what she did. She wants, she knew that in the state of Texas where they live, that had she not gone through all of those measures to make sure that his name was littered everywhere, Mm. I'm leaving this land to him. We wouldn't have that land to this day. I will tell you in my Mm. lifetime, there have been a minimum, and I'm, I'm being very nice when I say this, a minimum of five occasions that I can remember that the, there's the, there's a Smith family on one side of our property. There's a Johnson family on the other side of our property. Both of them are white families. One of them are into um, cattle herding. Mm-hmm. The other one is into um, pigs. Um, they do hogs and they both send their animals to the, to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. There have been at least, and I'm being very gracious in my lifetime. And I would venture to say even more than that in my father's lifetime, where both the Smiths and the Johnsons have siphoned off of our property. And we've had to pay for going back to the county assessor to have those lines redrawn because they didn't believe us when we when the property line disputes came up. Mm. And so having the you the black family between two white families and having to go to court to prove that this is your land that's been in your family since almost since the slaves were freed. Mm-hmm. I just would imagine that the Bruce's I mean, because I, I I know the legacy that my father continues to tell the story from what his father told the story from what his father father told, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, for you to get an offer of pennies on the dollar, I mean, let's let's multiply it to the value of what it would be today, because we're talking about prime beach front. 
property. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the family, you know, I read an article. They were trying to shoot the family some bail. Some of the advocates in the area were saying, well, hey, I understand because of all the racism in Manhattan Beach. So you own it now. Do I would put and pop them up. We're going to have a barbecue pit in the middle of the beach. We're going to have hogs and, and, and chitlins every Sunday. We gonna do what we want to with this. And property. you gonna smell it, and this is all. And you property. gonna smell it. <laughs> you gonna smell it. And we gonna he... and, and we gonna put up lines that say maybe you know that this is private property and <laughs> don't come cross this line. My answer right? is to say don't come cross because I think yes maybe the family needed money maybe because sometimes as black folks there's some real shit we put our like our rebellious spirit on all yeah. black folks. Yeah, we don't know what the motivation was for them to get this property back. We don't. We, we don't. They, they could have been like, "Yeah, thank you, revolutionary black folks," but I don't really. Right. Fuck with y'all, so I'm gonna right. get this back and make my family. I'm gonna use this twenty million to do whatever. But yeah. to me, it's what it represents. Absolutely, it's more than just because you could you could have a property from your family that's like in a regular spot, and you want to sell it, get more real estate, do some other stuff. Cool. But how you had to get this back? How this was taken from you? I would have made a little museum on the property right yes. next to the house yes. to show everybody how they stole it. Yes. <laughs> you want to know? At the minimum, a museum needs to go there. At yes. the minimum, I want a water slide park where every summer black kids from all over the nation get to come and go for free. For free. Um, for free. Um, um, they dine. And we need to um, remind everybody, dine. we got this back because it was stolen from stolen. us. This is These stolen. people, yeah, this city... Uh-huh. They stole it. Come read about it in this little museum for years to right. come. Think about the kids in that area. If Absolutely. they can go 30 years from now to that beach and see it's beautiful. You right. say, wait, what's that? That's a museum? Oh, wait, what they talking about? Let's take it also to a history perspective as well, because people often say, well, California wasn't a slave state. And I say, let me call bullshit. <laughs> because just because if you if your state constitution didn't say we are not a slave state then you really were because you were going to turn a blind eye to anything that came in your state if it was slave related. And so California didn't have on the books that, yes, we are a slave state, but they didn't say we were against slavery. So they weren't a non-slave state. Yeah. So let's be very clear about that. Mm -hmm. And I want to mention that because the Bruces weren't the only one who acquired property, acquired wealth did some wonderful things in the state of California to build up the infrastructure, to build up the economy, support the economy, right? Just mm -hmm. like when we think about from a national perspective that the slaves built this country, well, damn it, yes, I'm talking about from the ground up. Yep. I'm talking about look at the White House, black hands made that happen. Yep. And so from a history perspective, I always want to go to and remind folks that this isn't a matter of, Oh, that happened to one family or one person and that this is some weird anomaly that's out there. No, this was the consensus. This was, I can take from you anytime I want to black folks and I'm going to do it how I want to. Mm -hmm. And if I decide like in this case with the Bruce's to give it back or to pay you off, I'm going to make sure that it's not the value of what you've given to this great state and this great yep. country. Yep. So, and, 
the reparations yeah. argument, like looking at everything going on with the reparations conversation here in California, we are yeah. thriving and trying our best to get reparations here. Yeah. The, 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 the California reparations task force. I know some people closely associated with that movement. They're doing a great job, but they They're bring doing an excellent light. job. They bring like, to I light. know, I know hand folks, pick folks that's on. I'm like, get it in. Mm -hmm. Like we got to make this happen. Yeah. Yep. And they bring light to the fact that, yeah, you owe us reparations because of slavery and all these things. But what about all the property yeah. that's been stolen from generation to generation to bringing yeah. forth all these families? So these are things we need to, to know about. I don't know this family's mentality, so I'm not going to yeah. condemn them. Of course, no. my spirit. I would say, you know, do this differently. Let's bring light to this situation so it doesn't happen again. Like this Absolutely. was an opportunity to do that. But that family could have had a different agenda and a, a, a different agenda. And, you know, that's to be expected almost. We don't know where people's loyalty lies and yeah. what, the, what, what, what plans they may have. You feel me? So and and I, I, I just would be remiss to even say that sometimes it's not the job of the folks who are old back for to assess what is old to them. Mm -hmm. It is the job of this government. It is the job of people who are in positions of power to say, hold on. Cause if, if this were flipped around the other way, you know that they accountants is coming out the woodworks with their calculators doing yeah. the math. Yep. Right. In my two in my two short voice, get the calculator, do the math. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm just saying from a jur jurisprudence government perspective, we have to be make sure that we have elected officials in place that are going to treat us fairly when things like this happen mm -hmm. so that we can say, oh, we live in a state or we live in a country where. Our life is value. Our lived experience of our yep. ancestors did have some value and they're compensating us appropriately. I'm there not saying go. that we all got to, you know, I, I, I'm i going to say it till I die. Run me my money. I need my reparations check. There we go. There my we ancestors go. Lived, had to give up a whole hell of a lot to make sure that I was able to be here and that you were able to be here. So, yeah. Um, Definitely, we, definitely. Are, we have to hold them accountable. That's that accountability piece. And that's why I'm really, really excited about our repar reparations task force, because they about the shits. Definitely. Definitely. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode. My computer friend to go dead here. Me and my sister Sonia, another great vibe. I knew he was going to come with some knowledge. My sister has been a teacher for a long time. A lot of great experience here just being a, 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 a advocate for change in black society. Feet on the ground. Right. So that yeah. that perspective is probably the most valuable perspective in, in, in black society to me. So yeah. I appreciate this. Sister Sonia, do me a favor and tell everybody how they can connect with you. Ascribe Educational Consulting popping. Absolutely. Get at me. It's ascribesuccess.com. I just dropped um, a infomercial, a little commercial. You know, you know, we got to level up in 2023. Try to get these coins. But it's not just about getting these coins. It's about making sure, like the Bruces have a legacy, right? Mm -hmm. My father and his ancestors left a legacy. I am trying to create a legacy where the next generation of young people won't have to deal with or heal from racialized trauma. And the only go. way we do that is have frank, honest, courageous conversations about race today. If we yeah. don't have it today, the problem is going to persist tomorrow. There we go. There we go. So this has been another episode of the Melanated Convo podcast every Thursday. Me and my sister Sonia, 7 p.m. All the digital platforms, YouTube, Facebook, 
that's where you can find this. My Instagram is at Melanated Convo 100. Follow me. I talk that shit. I'll be talking about what my people go through. I don't care if you don't like it. Damn it. Stop it then. <laughs> you want me to talk about it? Leave us alone. Shit. But, Absolutely. We need, but we need to know about our history. We need to know about all these things. My son, your sister, good having you back on the show. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We out. All right.